Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Alicia. And this is Camp Final Girls. Everybody. Hi everyone. Welcome. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy week. Thanksgiving. And <laughs> <laughs> we are here. Oh shoot. We are oh, hold on. I was trying to minim- minimize it and it like was asking me if I wanted to end it. I don't. <laughs> We're recording. Um I said I can I not? Okay, sorry. Sorry, peeps. You're peeps ruining it. <laughs> <laughs> okay there you are I'll bring you over here so how was your thanksgiving it was good and busy and I ate too much but isn't that how it usually goes yeah I feel like <laughs> the holidays are always stressful and it, you, you get like anxiety oh no I wasn't anxious at all well I just I, ate too much <laughs> <laughs> well my family is they made dinner so late and my sister was like trying to make most of it so I felt bad for her because she was it didn't like, help. still I made the green bean casserole <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it, it was funny because like I went to one Thanksgiving dinner at like noon or one-ish and then I went over to my sister's because she was saying it would be ready by like four wasn't ready until like 6 30 so it was like regular it was like a lunch and then a dinner it was a normal day for me I guess but what I did was I like I portioned it out right so that I got a little bit of everything but I wasn't super stuffed when I was done eating because normally on Thanksgiving I like can't move yeah (laughs) (laughs) that wasn't me this year and I was so happy because I wore like leggings under a dress so I wasn't super like confined in my clothes either you know oh I know I was going to wear a romper, but then it was like super cold outside and windy. And I was like, okay, maybe not. <laughs> what a romper with shorts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you live in California. That's right. Yeah. I was like, you crazy. That's because today my roommates were like doing the lights outside and we went to go look at them after and it was like 36 degrees out. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so cold. <laughs> But um, yeah, it was a good Thanksgiving. And this is actually, I think, the first year for me that I have not gone shopping on Black Friday. Like I literally go almost every year. I went online. (laughs) You did? Did you get some good deals and steals? Uh, I did. And I also bought myself something. I, you know, you know, those ads on Facebook and you're just like, they like get you well this one I was like oh, and I just showed Lily she's like get it what was, was it like, you know like the mini dash waffle maker that we got yeah they have a pie one <laughs> <laughs> a pie one you don't need to be making pies <laughs> well we want to do it for Christmas we want to make like little mini pies for everybody oh you should make some apple pies yeah, apple, cherry, pumpkin, like all kinds. Pecan. Of- you know what's so crazy is for like around Halloween time when we got those apples from Ryan's grandpa's trees or whatever, and we made so much pie filling and put them in the freezer so we can make apple pie stuff. Mm-hmm. We haven't made one thing from them. We're just sitting <laughs> in the freezer. Well, just bring it with you and I'll use it. 
I'm not bringing an apple pie filling on the plane with me. Why? You can bring freezer stuff. <laughs> well, first of all, it's not mine. It's my roommate's. I just helped. Well, you can just ask if you can take one with you. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Just stop. Well, I'm like, I don't know how to feel about this week's episode because I wanted to do another haunting to get, oops. I just hit my computer to get a little bit away from true crime just a little bit but like hauntings are hard they're hard they to are find. because Such- even mine was a short one like I feel yeah. like those ones are short well not the Robert that you're Robert the doll but there was a lot of information on that one because I looked for it when I first chose to do that case I was like oh I'm not gonna find anything and I watched like an episode of um uh Zach Baggins show called Kurt oh shoot I don't know what it's called I don't know what it's called (laughs) but I watched an episode and I was like oh I didn't get anything from this and then I looked into it more and I was like oh there's so much information about this and that was kind of like what happened with this case that I'm doing um it's actually a pretty famous one so you'll know exactly what it is when I tell you but it's one that they made a movie out of it and the movie is like not at all like the actual story so like learning about the actual story was pretty interesting but it still it just took me all day going through the notes because I listened to a podcast and watched two documentaries and then I watched the horror film that is based off of it and just took me all day (laughs) sometimes it's stressful (laughs) it is and especially because I had other cases I wanted to do this week but I just was like Okay, these are three pages of notes. That's just not enough. I think I have six pages from this case that I did today. So it's a good amount of notes, but it just took forever. I know. But I'm excited. It's another haunting, but this one is a lot darker than the last one I did. So, well, I can't wait to hear it. Okay. Well, buckle your bootstraps. So I gotta wear this. Your- <laughs> you have to have buckles on your boots, like them damn pilgrims. <laughs> oh, the- wait, they had buckles on their hats, right? <laughs> I, don't I don't know about pilgrim fashion. Sorry. Okay, so this is the case of this Needecker family. Sound familiar? Maybe. It will sound more familiar when I call it The Haunting in Connecticut. Have you ever seen that horror film? No. I don't think so. Maybe. I don't remember. Wow. You just disappoint me (laughs) week after week. (laughs) Okay. Well, this this case takes place um, in the late 1980s and early 1990s. That's when this happens. Um. (laughs) In 1986, Carmen and Al are the um, husband and wife. Um, They are the parents of four children, Bradley, Matt, Alan Jr., and Jennifer. So, you know what is actually really weird? I just want to start off with this is I listened to a few things about this case and the main son, he was called Philip. And then I watched like a documentary where the actual family talked about their haunting and they called him Matt. So I don't know if his name was like Matt Phillip or Phil. I literally tried to find out. I couldn't figure oh, it out. Oh gosh, that's so weird. I'm, yeah, so I'm just going to call him Matt because that's what the family called him. So mm. 
Yes. Okay. So this family was living in upstate New York and their oldest son, Matt, who was 13 at the time, developed a lump in his neck that was the size of a pea. Concerned, his mother took him to the doctor on a Friday. The doctor decided that it was very suspicious lump and that he wanted him to come back the following Monday so that they could do, do a biopsy of it. And by the time he went back on Monday, which was only three days later, the lump grew to the size of a golf ball. Oh, gosh. Yeah. When um, the biopsy was done, they discovered that Matt had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is cancer of the immune system. Wow. And it grew that quick? Yes. Which is like, it's crazy because, you know, it was on his neck so you could see it grow. Whereas Mm -hmm. sometimes cancer is in you and you can't see it grow like that. Yeah. Um, One of my brothers actually had a cyst on his forehead, like right by his eyebrow. And it did the same thing. It was like the size of a pea and then it grew bigger. And when the doctors went in to examine it, they like, it was just a cyst and it was benign, but it had created a dent in his skull. Oh it was my like gosh. crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's what it reminded me of. But anyways, so um, Matt's mother um, at the time was driving him 306 miles round trip to take him to the University of Connecticut for treatment and radiation therapy. They were told based on the type of cancer that he had, that he only had six months left to live. Oh, wow. Um, his dad, Al, which was actually his stepdad, was working full time at, at the time to support the family. So they had to hire um, an at-home babysitter to take care of the kids. Um, the long car rides that Matt and his mom would take were super painful on him. His body was sore and tired just from having cancer and driving also would make him super nauseous. So this was when Carmen and Al decided that they needed to move their family closer to the hospital where they were taking Matt. Um, Connecticut is a very expensive town to live in and to find a cheap enough home for a family of sick. (laughs) A family of six was going to be very difficult. It's expensive to live there. Mm -hmm. Connecticut is a very like, Uh, at the time but even now it's like a very popular town with a lot to do and a lot of like the universities there so it's a it's a pretty expensive place to live Mm, I never knew that so at first they were trying to find a home through a real estate agency but they just weren't finding what they needed so Carmen decided one day to drive around the neighborhood's that were near the hospital to try to find something for them to move in. She said that most places wouldn't rent to a, a family of four children, which is really sad. Like, cause they were just wanting to rent a place. But if they found out that they had four children, they're like, no, sorry. That's so weird. Which is crazy to like, because I've experienced that where I've tried to find like roommates or like rent a room from somebody and they wouldn't take me because I had one ch- child. So I can only imagine with four. Oh, gosh. Um, when she was driving around, she saw a sign for rent um, outside of a large old colonial house. Um, she decided to take a tour of the house. And she found out this house was built in 1916. And it was a duplex. 
Um, it was in a neighborhood that was is now recognized by the National Register as a historic neighborhood in the Hartford County. Um, it was the downstairs unit in the house and it included the basement. So she was like, perfect. Not only is it this house, but we also get the extra space of the basement. I don't know why, but basements always scare me. Basements and attics, right? Yeah. Like, my roommates, specifically Ryan, he will leave the attic like ladder in the garage down whenever he's going up and down to get stuff. Like right now, all the Christmas stuff is out. And every time I like open the garage to go into the fridge that's out there to get whatever I need, I'm always like, oh my gosh, the attic ladder is down. I'm so scared. You're like, what if something comes out of it? Exactly. And I made that comment to him one day and he's all, well, nobody's been up there but me. It's just a bunch of dust and spiders and boxes. (laughs) That's because he doesn't believe in ghosts like I do. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So Carmen booked a tour um, to take a look at this place. And before they were able to move in, when she took a tour, she couldn't see what was in the basement because it was like blocked and locked off. Um, So she wasn't able to look at it. And of course not. Yeah, but it was still really nice. Like it was colonial style. Um, So she thought there was going to be no way they would be able to afford it. But when she spoke to the landlord, she realized that it was super cheap and he was willing to rent it to her despite how many kids she had. So she was like, perfect. Like she didn't think anything of it, but obviously there's like a something wrong. Yes. (laughs) No red flags went up for her because she's like just desperate looking for a place to live. Mm -hmm. Um, When they moved in right away, they decided to start renovating the basement. They were able to get past the block that was keeping them out. And the dad, Alan, um, was shocked to see what was inside. There were several rooms that had embalming tables, mortuary equipment. My God. A chain to lift um, and bring caskets from the basement to the uh, first floor and a blood drainage pit. Oh, God. So this place used to be a funeral home. Lovely. Yes. (laughs) Um, He also found several things in drawers that he went around the room, such as photos of corpses, toe tags personal belongings from the dead and there were he even discovered a small graveyard in the back of the house and you said it was a duplex so did other people yeah. live there yeah there was a lady above and I'll bring her up, up later oh okay so the owner of the house was Daryl Kern of Kern Realty he had bought the house in the 80s saying that it had um, been the Hallahan funeral home that opened in 1936 He claims that he had told Carmen this when she came to look at the house, but she denied this happened. She's like, no, you never told me. And he's like, "Uh, I think, yeah, I would know. By the way, this was a funeral home. Yeah, but you'll see later on what happens. (laughs) (laughs) He also said that he had told her of weird happenings in the house. He said when workers came in to renovate the house to turn it from a funeral home into a home to live in, that workers got injured. One man had fallen and broken his leg. Another had a stroke and died on the property. So and he's like, yeah, I, I told her this and I told her like stuff's happened here. Why does that sound like the haunting of Hill House almost like that? Like when weird things are happening there. Well, 
I obviously you haven't seen <laughs> Haunted in Connecticut because I don't. Like, yeah, I don't. <laughs> but oh, okay. Let me just continue. I'll have to watch it. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen it. It's actually a really I might good have, horror but film. I'm so I feel bad like you have remembering things. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like you have because it's really it's a really good horror movie. But I will say that it's it's not like not like this case. Real? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. When the family found out about this, that the house used to be a funeral home, they tried to get their realtor to break their lease, but the realtor refused to, saying that I already told, I told you this before you moved in. And he even refused to give them their deposit back. And since they were currently living off of just Al's income and they were desperate because medical bills were high for Matt, they had no choice to, but to stay there. That sucks. Yeah, which um, is a, such a thing, like, when people hear about people staying in places like that, they're like, well, why wouldn't you leave? Especially, like, back in the day, it's, like, it's not as easy as it sounds, you know? Yeah, exactly. When they talked to the neighbors, they said that the Hallahan family was nice, and they had stayed there for decades. The neighbors and other people in town liked them and would often help them with their funeral procedures, so it's, like, they're like, oh yeah, that was a funeral home, but it was fine. They were a nice family. Like no one has uh, had ever complained of anything happening there other than, yeah, it was a funeral home. So nobody really saw it as a big deal until this family moved in. Mm-hmm. So this is when weird stuff started to happen to them. One day, okay, this is where it starts to get really weird. And I don't know how I feel about it, but I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> so one day Carmen was mopping the floor when the water in the mop bucket started to turn dark red. She said that it also smelled horrible. She asked a worker who was there working on um, the, the floorboards or something like that, a carpenter. She mm-hmm. was like, uh, what's going on here? Like, wh- am I doing something wrong? What's wh- like, why is this water turning red? And the, lady like bent down to look at the water and her eyes like just widened and she left and never returned like she was so the carpenter was a lady Mm -hmm. oh okay ladies can't be carpenters no i know but i don't know why (laughs) i thought i thought it was a man for some reason because of how you said it it's a lady (laughs) okay (laughs) So she looked inside the bucket and just left and didn't say anything. Yeah, she's all that's blood. <laughs> just oh my God. <laughs> so a year after moving in, the family invited their nieces Tammy and Kimberly to move in with them as well. Um, Tammy and Kimberly's parents were getting a divorce and it just wasn't a good situation. And so um Carmen was like, you know what, we have this new house, it's big, there's plenty of space, come live with us. Um, Matt and his younger brother, Bradley slept downstairs in the basement. That was the former casket room and embalming room. Oh my God. Why would anybody want their kids to sleep in there? That's so crazy. (laughs) Uh, yeah, exactly. So the children remember playing hide and seek downstairs and there were still gurneys and other equipment left down there that they would play with. Bradley remembered one time. Matt was told him, hey, lay on the gurney. And he just started spinning him and spinning him and spinning him. And Matt was, um, or not Matt, Bradley was so young that he didn't really know what a gurney was, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. 
it was just like, sure, whatever. And Matt was spinning him faster and faster. And as he was spinning him, um, Bradley started to see things past him, like people standing there and faces appearing. And he started screaming to Matt, telling him to stop, stop, let me off, let me off. Um, And that was when, like, the first time they started releasing stuff. Mm -hmm. Matt started hearing, Matt, keep in mind, is the one with cancer. Mm -hmm. Matt started hearing disembodied voices all the time. He would hear voices coming from the basement calling his name. And he Mm -hmm. would tell his mom that they needed to move right away. He said, mom this place is evil. It's haunted. We need to move. But she was like, "Mm, there's no such thing as ghosts. Like you're fine. Mm -hmm. Like typical horror movie parents, you know? Oh yeah. That, I mean, I guess that would be hard, especially if you can't afford it. I mean, if they don't have family to be like, come move in with us, you know, get away from Yeah. Like a family of six. Yeah. Yeah. But she just, she really, cause I saw an interview with her. She's like, I really didn't believe in ghosts. So when he was telling me this stuff, I was just like, you're, you're a kid, your imagination's just running wild. Like you're fine. Um, so one of the apparitions that they would see was a little black boy in Superman pajamas about the age of six that would fly around the basement. Oh my gosh. Like all the kids would see this, including Tammy, the cousin, Matt, Bradley they all saw this little boy um and the smaller kids would actually play with him all the time too oh wow that's so crazy (laughs) and that's one of the least scary ghosts that they saw Bradley Mm -hmm. and Matt said that they also saw three dark figures in trench coats standing in their room one night they woke up finding these dark figures standing by a toy robot that Bradley owned and the toy got thrown across the room scaring them They screamed and their father, Al, came running downstairs with a shotgun because he was like, what's going on? And he saw like the broken robot and the boys were like in bed terrified. And this was when he started to kind of believe that something was going on, but he didn't know Mm -hmm. what. So there's a lot of controversy to this tale. There was a lot of um, childhood friends that would go over and stay the night or play with the kids and they said that they never experienced anything when they were in the house and they never even heard about the hauntings from these kids oh wow that's weird yeah and a lot of those those kids they're like um if they were really experiencing that I feel like I would hear about it but then Mm -hmm. the kids who were experiencing it were saying like of course we didn't tell our friends we didn't want them to think that there was something in our house making them not want to come stay the night or be friends with us or whatever yeah but do kids really think that deep into things or you know how kids talk and they'll just kind of say things you know just like why did you say that and I mean it depends um like how old were they at the time well Matt was the oldest boy and he Mm -hmm. was 13 and the youngest the younger there so the youngest boy he was like five or six so then, he didn't tell his friends or anything? Huh. That's interesting. No, which, I mean, you'll see why later when I tell you. I I mean, I can see from both sides. I can see, like, I guess, like, my child's that age, and I can see her talking about it because it's crazy and it's something she experienced. But also I could see her not wanting to say anything because it's terrifying 
and yeah, you'll see true. you'll see the consequences of what happens when it, the news does get out. Mm-hmm. So Matt said he also saw a figure with white hair and white eyes wearing a pinstriped suit. He said that he would come out at night and just stare at him watching him sleep. Another, another figure that they saw, this one really scared, it's really freaky, was just a floating head. It had long, hmm. dark hair, a scar that went uh, down its whole face and a oh hole where its eyes should be. Oh. Bradley said this was the one that scared him the most. Uh, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> yeah. Um, they got so scared that they would keep the lights on all night. The boys were like, so scared to even turn off the lights when they went to sleep they would just keep the lights on and their electric bill went sky high and their dad got so pissed at them that he took all the light bulbs out (gasps) of their room oh my god how sad isn't that horrible like he didn't fully believe them so he's like you can't leave the lights on all night so he just went down and took the lights out could have figured out a nightlight or something right I, I, I don't oh my gosh I would just be so terrified if I remember was when I told you that I couldn't see that movie and I had to have the light on because I was like scaring me so I mean I can imagine these kids a little like, kid like seeing yeah. freaking ghosts in your room and your dad's like you're keeping the light on you're costing me money and he just takes yeah. all the light bulbs oh, out god so Bradley said that he woke up one night and saw his sister, Jennifer. Jennifer. (laughs) Jennifer flicking the light switch on and off and then, and laughing and then running upstairs. He ran after her, following her up the stairs. And when he got to the top, his mom and dad were up there and stopped him and said, what are you doing? And he told them that Jennifer had gone downstairs and done that. And they were like, no she's in bed sleeping and he went oh and my god and remember all the light bulbs were taken out so oh, oh my god just stop right there it's giving me chills <laughs> and now i won't be able to sleep tonight <laughs> Effect. <laughs> and it's crazy too because that movie that like scenes in there too so you should watch that movie oh gosh i'll have to watch it during the day <laughs> yes you will because the movie is actually it goes a little bit darker than this does but mm. um there were also cruci- crucifixes in the door jams um above where the like embalming rooms were and they started to slowly disappear and nobody knew where they went like the kids were like no of course we wouldn't touch that why would we want to take those down mm-hmm. and then once they were gone according to carmen the mom like stuff that was happening in the embalming funeral home area started to leak into the rest of the house oh my god um matt was so scared of what was happening at home that he would beg his parents to let him stay at the hospital after he was getting done with his treatments for his cancer um but they were like no you need to come home and he began to change due to the exposure of the dark energy oh wow he had inexplicable mood swings and he started Sounds like to, my kids <laughs> maybe they're possessed <laughs> definitely your children are possessed for sure 100 <laughs> um but he started to dress darker get into darker music and he started to dark and he started to write dark poetry that um, included such intense things including necrophilia 
So they took him to um, a psychiatrist and every week they would take him to a religious counselor, like a priest, Mm -hmm. because Carmen read his poetry and she was terrified when she read it. She's like, the hell's going on with my son? Mm -hmm. When they asked the oncologist, which is, you know, the cancer doctor Mm -hmm. um, about these changes and his behaviors, the doctor said that the mood swings and auditory and visual hallucinations were not a side effect of his treatments, nor his cancer. He's like, this is not, that's not something that happens with cancer patients. And so his parents were confused more because they at first thought it's probably because he has cancer. He's going through radiation and the doctor's like, no, that's not something that happens to cancer patients. Yeah. Matt's behaviors got worse and worse and it gets really, really dark actually um he started to scare everyone in his family and push them away matt had once broke into the neighbor's house stole his gun and claimed he was going to shoot his stepdad oh my gosh he even okay this is really bad so trigger warning trigger warning for sexual assault um he once attacked his cousin tammy and tried to rape her terrified his parents called the police and had him arrested so that they could do a psych evaluation on him oh god matt claimed that he had attacked his cousins on multiple occasions (gasps) he said that he would sneak into their rooms at night and sexually assault them now it is crazy but i don't know if it's true because a lot about this case is like conspiracy theories and like a bunch of stories that I don't know are true, but when I listened to the documentary where even his cousins were on, they didn't bring this up. So I don't know if mm. it was a part of their past and they just didn't want to talk about it or if it was just conspiracy theories because it's pretty, pretty dark if it's or true. Or if it was true, like maybe he was possessed at the time and that that inner being like said it and didn't really happen, you know? Right. He, I mean, whatever was in him could just be saying that to make Mm -hmm. it sound worse than it was yeah so he was admitted to the hospital for 45 days where he was diagnosed with schizophrenia oh gosh um during his time away though he got a lot better like he had no more episodes he wasn't as negative or dark but the second that he returned to the house once they decided that he was okay he just got bad again you think maybe like because the cancer in him kind of made him more like susceptible to like bad energy? Oh, for sure. Because whenever you're young, have something going on like that, it definitely will make you more vulnerable to things like mm-hmm. that. For sure. I do believe that. Okay. Um, when Carmen left him at the hospital, the, um, for those 45 days, um, he told her, he was like, okay, like the, the, since I'm not in the house, the spirits are going to start going after you guys now. And this was when the rest of the family started experiencing things as well. Carmen would, Carmen would notice that things would start going missing without a trace and food would rot quickly. Like the cousin Tammy said that she was eating an apple and she like set it down and she went go- back to go eat some more and it was like rotten. 
completely uh, black and she was like wow. what the heck and she opened the fridge and all their food was rotten oh my god that's terrible and um the temperature of the house was also colder it was like filling the entire house up and they started seeing apparitions of people walking through the house and the smell of rotting flesh would emanate throughout as oh well. god i would leave right away like i don't care <laughs> i would find someone that would i would live in. on the streets <laughs> exactly i'd be like heck no i'm gone like the moment <laughs> i see something i'm 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 darting out there goodbye to my stuff i don't care i'll get new stuff <laughs> yeah i I can't imagine because I always like think I see something and then I'm like look closer and it's like a coat hanging on something and I'm like <laughs> I thought you were a man oh, but so I can't imagine <laughs> I know like I've been having weird dreams and I'm just like I can't imagine if something like even remotely like I don't know anything like that it's just crazy like in real life like a head floating <laughs> yes <laughs> that would be so scary I would die. Uh, okay. So or even car- if you see blood and you're like, you're mopping and all of a sudden, like it's all bloody and you're like, what oh, the yeah. heck? I would be like, um, that's Satan. I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. That's not normal. Um, so Carmen started hearing disembodied voices that sounded like her children calling her. So she would hear them from the other room, go in there and there would be nothing in there. She'd be like, what the heck? And then she started, it started escalating to like voices saying dark things, including cursing at her and shouting insults. One day while she was showering, an unforeseen force wrapped the shower curtain around her face, trying to suffocate her. Holy crap. Um, Tammy ran in and helped her force the shower curtain off of her. Tammy literally says, I remember going in there because I heard her screaming and I had to tear the shower curtain off of her. Like I felt like she was seconds away from suffocating. And that's a child, right? Yes. That's her niece. Oh my God. Can you imagine like as a child, like having to help like your aunt? Like you go in and she's showering and she's wrapped in a curtain suffocating. Oh my God. And you know what's so crazy is that a similar scenario happened to her uncle Al. He was almost suffocated by the shower curtain as well. Oh my God. The family became so afraid to be in any room alone, including the bathroom, and that they would go in pairs. They were like, I'm not going in there alone. Like, come sit in here while I'm on the toilet. showering whatever carmen would often see a thin figure with high cheekbones and long black hair she even saw some of the spirits that matt had told her about like the one with the pinstriped suit that would watch Mm -hmm. him sleeping she started seeing those as well can you imagine you like wake up and you see something watching you sleep like well okay I have experienced that once. And I think it was just in my mind. It was back in high school when my sister would sleep with me. And I remember one time I woke up, true story, woke up in the middle of the night. Cause I heard like whispering, like, shush, 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 shush. I was like, what the heck is that? And I opened my eyes and I had a nightstand right next to my bed. And I saw like a girl sitting on the nightstand next to me. And I like saw it out of the corner of my eyes and I shut my eyes really fast. And I was like, like, is that Maddie? She's sitting on my nightstand. What the fuck? And then I turn around and Maddie's in bed with me. 
and I hear those voices again. And so I just shut my eyes as close as, as like tight as I could. And I put the blanket over my head and I just tried to go back to sleep. Oh like, my God. I wouldn't be able to, I'd be hugging like whoever was next to me. <laughs> Madison. Yeah. As she's trying to wrap her leg around me. Cause I was colder on top of me, you know, <laughs> I'm, and I'm dead serious. I don't know if that was a dream that I experienced. If it was just my mind playing tricks on me, but that happened like multiple times when she would sleep with me in high school, she went through like a kind of rebellious phase. And I don't know why, but she wanted Maybe to she sleep with me. spirits following her. Well, not to put her on the spot. Sorry, Maddie. <laughs> but she was, like I said, she was going through a rebellious stage and like, maybe that bad energy, that bad my energy mom was told me to her. It was like, she has evil spirits attached to her. That's probably why you're experiencing that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And that could be true. Cause like, that's a lot of times why like people change. They're just like, wait a minute. Who is this person? Yeah, I know. And uh, I mean, like I said, I've never like, I don't know how to explain that experience because it happened. It's real. It's true. As true it is as it is to me. Like I know people might not believe me or whatever, but like I said, it could have been a nightmare that I had. It could have been my mind playing tricks on me, but like I, and that just happened like once or twice that had happened to me. So I can't imagine like experiencing things like this constantly. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you explain that to somebody? It's like something you people won't believe unless they experience it themselves you know so uh, Carmen and Al would wake up um when their bed would constantly be shaken and moved and blankets would be ripped off of them and then soon the like visual and audible um assault became physical Al said and I listened to an interview this is crazy. He said that one night he woke up and he was sleeping next to Carmen, um, but he couldn't move or scream or say anything. And he started to feel as though something was attacking him anally. Oh my God. Yeah, like he felt a stinging pressure in his anus and he didn't know what it was. And he felt like he was being sodomized. Finally, after it went away, he was able to move and like wake Why up. Why does it sound like an American horror story? You know, <laughs> like that that ghost hotel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Girl. Um, but Carmen also claims that the same thing would happen to her and it would happen in like turns. Like one of them would wake up and like not be able to move or say anything. And like they would feel like they would be sodomized or sexually assaulted and that's when they started to think that it was demonic it wasn't a ghost like something oh yeah demonic well like the entity happening. remember the the wait alicia oh. <laughs> just wait so they said that they would hear also music coming from they don't know where but it, it was like 1930s music and they realized that every time that they would hear this music, that it would be an omen that something bad was coming. Mm-hmm. They would hear light footsteps rocking around their bed and then the pressure of someone sitting on the edge of their bed. Um, in one attack, Tammy, the cousin, um, ran through the house screaming and then ran down the street as Carmen watched in terror um, because Tammy said that she was also being sexually assaulted by these entities. Um, Tammy said one time that she went up to her aunt and she was screaming. She's like, I feel like there's like hundreds or thousands of hands on me. And Carmen said she could 
literally see what looked like hands under her niece's shirt. Oh my God. That's and they, crazy. yeah, scary. And they said, like, like I said, that they were, they felt like they were dealing with something demonic. So they called the church for help. The church simply told them to do a few Hail Marys and then call her back and call them back in the morning and see if that worked. <laughs> Crazy. Um, Tammy was actually, she said at this point, she was wearing a rosary all the time as a necklace. And one time um, her and Carmen were sitting there and they saw the rosary like levitate off of her chest and like hung in the air. And then it ripped it off of her chest and like shattered across um, a wall and like in the documentary that I saw she like had the rosary and it was all like in pieces and she's like I still keep it to this day even though that happened because Mm -hmm. I feel like it still protects me yeah um and then Carmen would often get attacked and put into a trance where she couldn't see anything and her hands would become cold and she could sense figures around her She said she was empathizing with the lost souls that were around her and pulled her into these trances. Her family would gather around her and pray until she came out. And then she would tell them like, basically, oh, I saw all these lost souls around me. Like there, I saw pictures of her like passed out on the ground when this would happen to her. Jeez. So they lived in this house for two years, believing that even if they left, the demons would follow them. However, they did feel like they had enough at one point that they called Ed and Lorraine Warren because mm-hmm. this is an Ed and Lorraine Warren case. Oh, I don't know okay. if you know that. I did not. Why? I kind of, I don't know why, but I thought it might be just because everything that was happening to them almost sounded like stuff that happened in like the movies they were in. Yes. And they actually picked stuff from all the cases that they worked on and put them into their different movies and stuff and that's why Mm -hmm. their movies aren't all obviously completely based on true story because they like pick and choose from each case that they do Mm -hmm. um by that time they had decided as a family to gather and sleep in the living room where they would sleep on mattresses together which has happened in like a conjuring movie or something Mm -hmm. but that happened in this case And they would sleep under the white light because they believed when they slept under the white light, it kept them safe. Um, The Ed and Lorraine moved into their house with them and stayed with them for nine weeks while they investigated the case. They brought with them their nephew, John, and their grandson, Chris, who were psychic researchers to help them with the investigation. While staying with them, they were constantly physically attacked. They came in, came to the conclusion that they were not dealing with ghosts, but instead demons that they had released into the house decades before. Mm-hmm. They said, so John, the nephew, he was in an interview and so was um, Lorraine Warren um, about this case. And they said that they believed when it was a funeral that the funeral workers were defiling the bodies mm-hmm. because John said one night, when everybody had gone to sleep the house suddenly became cold and he was the last person awake and he went to the bottom of the stairs where he was hearing sounds and he saw a figure and the figure said look what they did to us can't you see what they did to us and basically from this he came to the conclusion that 
the funeral workers were committing acts of necrophilia on the bodies and this mm. released an evil into the house okay these I claims- feel like now that I'm hearing like some pieces of this it's, I might have seen the movie but I, I have to like well the movie's not like this at all no though. I'm saying like because she brought in the movie did they bring like people with them Ed and Lorraine in the movie Ed and Lorraine are not in the movie oh they're not no which I didn't realize it was an Ed and Lorraine case until like I researched them a little more and I was like oh that's that's interesting that that they wouldn't put it in the movie yeah this was like one of the only Ed and Lorraine cases that they worked on that they didn't put themselves into the movie which Mm. is not normal for them yeah like to be put in them for sure Mm -hmm. um However, these claims that the funeral workers were defiling the bodies could never be substantiated. It was just basically a theory that they had. Mm -hmm. Um, The Warrens went to the church to try to get an exorcism approved for the house. The church did not agree with them or, and they were like, no, this is not a case that needs an exorcism. So the Warrens told the family to go to the media to put pressure on the church Mm-hmm. They didn't they didn't realize though that when they went to the media how crazy the frenzy would become to the public. Um it became such a huge media circus this whole case and the children were bullied at school because of it. They were picked on. It was just a lot of pressure on the family. Mm-hmm. But Ed and Lorraine claimed that they did this because they knew it would get the church to approve the exorcism. But the family was like, we didn't agree to how crazy this would be. We just wanted, you know, us to be at peace. And so on September 6th in 1988, three priests and three deacons came to do an exorcism on the house. During the ritual, the house was filled with an incredible force during the climax, um, during which they all prayed. And soon they said, amen. And then the force was just gone. Um, according to the family. So it's, it's an interesting case because the, the church usually recognizes, um, exorcisms that occur, but they mm-hmm. say this one didn't happen, but, and then Ed and Lorraine are like, no, it happened, but mm-hmm. we signed a waiver saying we wouldn't release the names of the priests that were involved. Cause usually they do. Oh, okay. They use several religious relics during the exorcism and one of them was a madonna who after the exorcism the hands of the statue were broken off um john the nephew still has the statue to this day he kind of has like a little museum like the warrens did mm-hmm. with all their relics in it um the warrens claim that the church ordered or sorry recorded these events like i said but the current the church does not confirm nor deny this they're just like mm-hmm. silent about it so eight days after the exorcism of the house, the family moved to Tennessee where no evil forces followed them. They wanted to get as far away from the case and publicity of it as quick as possible. Um, but the Sneedeckers claim they didn't, didn't like how the Warrens handed, handled, golly, huh. <laughs> handled the publicity and fame around it. Mm. the homeowner and the neighbors say that the haunting started when the family got behind on rent and they moved out before they got evicted 
So like the neighbors, even the neighbors were like, ah, I don't believe this really happened. But the family was like, you weren't there. You weren't in the house. You didn't experience what we experienced. So how do you know? Yeah. But like you had asked the upstairs neighbor above this duplex, Sandy said that she never experienced anything supernatural the whole time that she lived there. So they believe it was a scam in order for them not to have to pay rent. Hmm. Sandy said that. But wait, she, if Ed and Lorraine were involved and they said there wasn't like. Yeah, but Ed and Lorraine have been known to be frauds in the, their whole careers. Oh, a I lot don't. of cases where people were like, uh, no, because they were so, like Lorraine was a self-proclaimed medium and. Um, mm-hmm. Ed was a self-proclaimed demonologist. Like they were, you know, not certified and stuff. So Mm. um, Sandy said that she told Carmen about the house being a funeral home before she moved in. She's like, yeah, I talked to that lady before she rented the house and I told her it was a funeral home. Mm. She even said that Carmen had told her about having a difficult time sleeping while they were living there. And so she suggested sleeping pills. But Carmen said, no, it was her father that was hunting her and that she was going to call the Warrens. Interesting. Um, Al and Carmen went to the Warrens to talk about the case um, and Ed refused to establish any credibility with the story, which is also weird because mm-hmm. he was a part of it. Yeah. It was also mentioned in the film that the entity very close mirrored Carmen's attacks which I thought was interesting when I was learning about this case. Cause I was like, wait, I thought the entity was based off of that case that Alicia did, but mm-hmm. it's also said that the entity was also based off of this case as well. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a weird connection that they have. Uh-huh. And when asked why they didn't move sooner, Carmen kept changing her story. She would often say that she thought it was demonic and that it would follow them. But then she would also tell other people that she was like, well, it's just the children that are being attacked or claiming these things. And I don't, it's not happening to us. But didn't she say (coughs) that her and her husband like were being sodomized or whatever? Exactly. Their stories just kept changing all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Friends and family outside of the immediate family that lived there said that they also had experienced things in the home, though. They're like, no, I went to the home and I experienced things, too, or I felt Mm -hmm. negative energy. It was just this whole case is such a who knows. Mm -hmm. Literally, that's what it is, is. Who knows if it really was a true haunting And all of the kids now are grown with families and kids of their own, but they all remember the hauntings of their childhood. In 2005, Carmen and Al got a divorce and um, Carmen became a spiritual advisor. She does plan on writing a book based on the experiences of John Zaffis, which is Ed and Lorraine's nephew, and his Mm -hmm. experiences in the house. Um. Lorraine says that, conveniently, Lorraine says that all the documents from this case were ruined in a flood that happened in their basement one time. So there's no concrete evidence left of this case. It was all destroyed. Oh, that's interesting. That's the only case. Yes. (laughs) 
Um, Matt's cancer went into a remission after this happened. He got married and had four children and worked as a truck driver. His cancer, however, did come back later with a vengeance and mm-hmm. killed him in January of 2012. He was awesome. 38 years old at the time. Um, ever since the family moved out, no one else has ever experienced anything paranormal in the home. Um, when they talk to neighbors, they just say, nope, I never experienced anything. And this, this and that, like I said, this case is such a, mm-hmm. a crazy one because nobody agrees that this stuff happened except for the family and the Warrens and who they brought in. So but I thought you said the Warrens didn't like say much about well, it. Ed didn't admit to it but Lorraine did she's like no this oh, stuff okay. happened wait just... why would why would she and not him that's weird because Ed died before Lorraine did and when they did an interview for this case Lorraine was still alive and Ed wasn't but uh... when Ed was alive he was like well I'm not gonna say that it did happen or didn't happen and then Lorraine's like oh all the evidence went away in a flood mm. so they're both um dead now obviously but at that time Lorraine was still alive oh okay yes that is the story of the haunting in Connecticut which is way different from the movie if you ever watch it you'll know yeah I'll have to see if I've seen it I might have I mean who knows there's so many like horror movies it's like that one where the boys like throwing up ectoplasm on the cover you know uh maybe <laughs> i don't know girl i i have a bad memory so i have to yes, like you do and i'm not gonna oh gosh i'm not gonna lie to you i have to be really bad what is your issue girl <laughs> i have so uh, it's called i drink a lot of fluids oh yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay well thanks everybody for joining i hope you enjoyed the the story I hope so too. Hauntings are so hard to do because yes, they are. They're hard very to find a good one, but it's also like, do you believe it? Do you not? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you believe it? I don't know. Like it, it's. I know. I believe in ghosts. I do, but some and of demons. them, and yes, for sure, <laughs> demons. But I don't know how much I believe some of the stories that you're just like. They, they seem more exaggerated um but mm-hmm. then again i don't know i, I like I, being I mean, sodomized yeah exactly like but also I, at the same time like this family didn't try to profit off of this at all and when it was over they left and didn't want to have anything to do with that after mm-hmm. at all yeah so i mean a, a part of it could be true or just you know more exaggerated i mean who and who knows maybe they exaggerated it so that they would get more help from like the warrens and the church and all that stuff yeah that's true i mean it could be a possibility yeah all right well thank you for joining us i have to be so bad (laughs) she ruins it for us (laughs) all right good night everyone good night happy thanksgiving enjoy your holiday weekend Bye. Bye.